1: Good evening and welcome to Mets 360 here on Block Talk Radio. I'm your host, Brian Jura, and we're on the eve of the regular season starting, so I'm filled with optimism. Um, I can't wait. Uh, I think we have plenty of good things in store for us this year. And one of those good things is my guest tonight. That's former Mets 360 writer and current broadcaster, Joe Vasile. Joe, welcome back to the program.
0: Thanks Brian always uh, always great uh, to be on and uh, hopefully I'm I'm as optimistic and uh, and as excited for opening day tomorrow as you
1: Oh please 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 we're all optimistic none of this <laughs> pessimistic stuff there's always time to be pessimistic <laughs> later if you can't be optimistic yeah. before the game's even start when can you be All right well let's yeah. talk about the just the the just completed uh, Grapefruit League uh, spring training season, and I want to know from you what do you think was the uh, the best and the and the worst uh, news coming out of uh, spring training for the Mets this year?
0: Um, honestly, the thing that it, at least for me personally that I was I was probably the most impressed with out um, of spring training for the Mets it was Philip Evans. I mean, here was a guy that was drafted way low and the organization kind of had high hopes for they went way over slot from, him and was it 2011 and he just sputtered around the minor leagues for half a dozen years and then all of a sudden he's looking like the second coming of Joe McEwing in spring training makes the 25-man roster and uh, I mean that's a very little and kind of trivial thing to get excited about in spring training um, but it was just something that kind of took me by surprise and you know those guys who can play multiple positions and at least carry their weight somewhat with the bat, if Evans is able to do that, um, are just so valuable to have, especially, you know, if you're a team like the Mets hoping to compete for a wild card, you have to have that kind of uh, versatility uh, on your roster. And um, so, I mean, yeah, if he could be the guy that steps up and kind of fills that role, um, I think that goes a long way towards a successful season. Uh, So that was a very nice uh, surprise to really see him uh, kind of come about. On the negative side, I'd probably say more the performance of Steve Matz. Um, he's coming off a, obviously, really rough year last year in the injuries, and he just, at least for me, didn't inspire a lot of confidence in the couple of starts that I saw from him. Now, granted, the only times I really got to see him pitch were his first couple of outings, which were much rougher than uh, – than what he was eventually doing later on in spring, at least just from looking at the box scores. But, uh, but hopefully he's, uh, he can get the ship righted now The games are going to count for real. No, I just want to state
1: for the record that I'm old, fat, and out of shape. But having said <laughs> that, I never want to be described or someone to describe me and, and say that it's a good thing for me to be the second coming of Joe McEwing. I I, I I feel like that's the ultimate uh, you know, back slap across the face. So um but but I'm with you. I'm I, I like I like what Philip Evans does. I mean I like the little bits that I've that I've seen of him. I, I'm I'm not mm-hmm. sold on on what you see when you look at his stats. But when you actually Mm -hmm. see him play in the game, he he does a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I think that he's a a competent 25th guy on a roster. And whether he Mm -hmm. can serve that position for more than a – for the week or so while Conforto was out, now, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm glad that when they uh, removed him from the 40-man roster over the winter, that they didn't lose him because I, I do think that there's some some talent there. And the the Ooh. other one, the 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 surprise that you said, uh, Mats. I have to say that that caught me by surprise just because, well, you you noted that his first couple of starts were not good, but then he really looked like he turned the corner. So I, I'm I've got my finger crossed just because he's so brittle but uh, i think that his last four outings of the spring were quite good
0: yeah and like i said uh the only ones that i really got to watch were the ones where he, he didn't look as good um but uh but yes it was kind of encouraging at least to see uh you know box scores or whatever coming out where he was uh getting better but i didn't obviously without being able to see it and see the eye test of it um you don't really know how much to read into uh, to spring training starts, you know, they're um, really spring training numbers in general uh, just because you're going up against so many minor leaguers and, you know, this and that, and maybe you're just tweaking things around. Uh, I find it hard to really in spring to read into anything other than just kind of watching the guy and go, okay, he looks like he's in mid season form and, and things like that, which is kind of very anti, You know, the whole numbers approach, which I do like, but uh, at least for spring, I'm I'm much more of an eye test kind of guy. All right. Well, um, I guess lending
1: itself to that, Mm -hmm. uh, the results in spring training this year for the Mets, they, they weren't good. I think mm-hmm. they finished with the worst record of all of the teams in in the Grapefruit League. I think they, mm-hmm. they uh, didn't have the worst record overall. I think there was somebody in the Cactus League who was actually worse. But the, the results mm-hmm. were, I mean, we can't sugarcoat them. They were they were, they were horrible. Yeah. And uh, uh, ha- knowing what you just said, I mean, do you, do you think on a team-wide basis that that should even out? Should we be concerned about these horrible results?
0: Uh, yes and no. Um, again, I think a lot of it is just, you know, kind of, you you can't read too much into spring training results. Uh, but at the same time, you know, you look out into the bullpen and who is out there coming into this year that you looked at with a little bit of confidence. Uh, honestly, I, I don't even know. Um, you know, that's just a huge question mark. And, you know, spring really didn't do anything, results wise or, or, just looking at it wise to really, um, make me more confident in anyone outside of Jerry Blevins uh, that that's out there. So I think that's something that you definitely want to be concerned with, uh, in terms of the spring results. Um, same goes for Adrian Gonzalez as well. Uh, I mean, that's another guy who coming off of a bad year last year was in spring training, basically fighting, uh, at least at the beginning before, uh, Dom Smith went down with the injury, was going to be fighting for a position. And he just looked like a complete and utter shell of himself uh, for what he was even just two, three years ago at Los Angeles. So um, those are a couple of things that worry me a little bit uh, about the team. And then obviously there's the big health question as well. Um, But I think overall, you know, whether it was, you know, second worst or, you know worst uh, spring record I, I wouldn't read overwhelmingly too much into that uh, i don't know how many innings aj griffin's going to be logging this year but um, <laughs> you know I'm, I'm sure it won't be too many uh, that'll uh, that'll help to to get those results a little better
1: now we had the unfortunate injury to jason vargas but right after that happened, there mm-hmm. were all these stories about the Mets were finally going to have the five aces uh, take five consecutive turns in the rotation. And then a day mm-hmm. or two after that, they demote Zach Wheeler. So mm-hmm. just tell me about uh, your, your um, you know, your impressions of, of that sequence of events.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That, that really didn't last too long, did it? Uh, they were, uh, they were all together for about two days. Um, you know, I think that it's, it's kind of a combination of things. I think one, it says a lot about where Zach Wheeler's career is at right now. Uh, I mean, look, he missed basically two full years, uh, you know, with injuries and, and, you know, recovering and and rehabbing and coming back. And last year, the results were not great spring. He didn't look that great. And uh, on the other hand, you have Seth Lugo who has been pitching his tail off for this team for the last, you know, year and a half. And, and I think a lot of it had to do with Seth Lugo winning his spot um, as that five guy. And then also, you know, at the beginning of the season where you don't necessarily need the five man rotation the first time through that allows you to send Wheeler down uh, and get him some extra work in, in Vegas. But um, yeah, that's something that uh, unfortunately I don't know how surprising it was, it was at this point Um I mean, even coming up through the minors, Wheeler was thought of as a guy who potentially could be someone who has to transition to a reliever at a certain point. Um, and unfortunately it looks like injuries and kind of uh hittableness have, have taken a little bit of that edge off of his game. And, and maybe that's where he has to go. And he has to start to make that transition. Now I hope he doesn't, I hope he can get whatever this is sorted out and, um, and he can get some confidence going and, and get back and be a productive starter like he was a few years back. But um, unfortunately, at this point, I think Vegas is the best place for him. Um, and, and that's really sad because I, I was someone who had, like a lot of Mets fans, high expectations for him.
1: Now, Wheeler got off to a pretty good start this spring, and I think mm-hmm. that the most encouraging thing was that he was – getting his strikeouts but he wasn't walking people. And then mm-hmm. he went uh, up against the nationals and the first two batters he faced yep. against the nationals, both walks, both came around to score. And it seemed like mm-hmm. the wheels kind of came off for him after that. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's simple. He's got to throw strikes and, you know, yep. maybe he can go to Vegas and, and throw strikes and, and cut out the the balls, but, yeah, with a lot of pitchers, you say, well, you know, if he doesn't make it as a starter, he can he can make it as a reliever, and I just don't see Zach mm-hmm. Wheeler making it as a reliever just because he has so much trouble uh, with the command of his pitches. And do you really want a mm-hmm. guy uh, out of the bullpen who's going to take forty pitches in the first inning because he's going to three and two on every batter he faces? Uh, he's got mm-hmm. he's got to to get the command under control, and if he does that. Like Mickey Calloway says he's a starting pitcher, mhm,
0: yeah, no, and the stuff is still there that's that's the frustrating thing with him uh, is that you could still see and he shows flashes of that stud prospect that he was that projected front of the rotation you know type starter um that he has, i think still the potential to be, but at the same time, you know he's. 27 now, and that's you know not old by baseball standards by any stretch of the imagination. Um, he should be coming into the best years of his career uh, right now, and um, he just again, it's I agree with you that it's it's a lot of that command issues and you know not throwing 40 pitches in an inning um, that's really stopping him from from kind of fulfilling that potential. Uh, but I I just the part where I hesitate, I think, I guess the most is just because he has the risk of the past injury, is it just better to bring him slowly kind of back into the fold? Um, Granted, two and a half years is a a long time, but, uh, you know, to to minimize any kind of risk and, and again, build some confidence moving forward because it's been a while since he's been successful uh, for a long stretch of time.
1: Speaking of guys who should be entering the prime of their career, let's talk about uh, Travis Darnot. Uh, We've had Mm -hmm. such high hopes for him, but he's been dogged by injuries, and even when he's healthy, he hasn't been quite the player we might have hoped. However, he had a really strong September last year, and he's followed that up now Mm with a very good spring training. So I want to know, do you think this will be the year that that it all comes together for Travis Darnot?
0: Yeah, uh, you know, I'm going to make another unflattering comparison here, uh, <laughs> not intentionally, but uh, Travis Darno is like the position player equivalent of Mike Pelfrey in my mind, and ooh, I'm going to bring ooh, this back. You're right, that, that was unpleasant. Yeah, I'm going to bring this back to making some kind of sense. So just bear with me here for a second. Now, obviously, Pelfrey didn't deal with all the injuries that Darno had, but he was a guy that for years and years. I always thought, all right, this is the year he puts it all together. This is the year we're finally going to get the Mike Pelfrey that we thought we were getting. And I've been saying that about Travis Darno for the last three years. This is the year we're finally going to get the Travis Darno that was, you know, a top prospect and the headliner of the, uh, the R.A. Dickey trade and all this other stuff. And I really hope it is. I really hope that that strong end of the year last year and his strong spring this year is that sign that, okay, he's made it through a year, mostly healthy. I think he caught over 110 games last year, which is either a career high or, you know, one of his career highs, Um, you know, and he finished strong. He got off to the strong start. Maybe this is finally it that he kind of becomes that strong offensive catcher that we thought we were getting. Unfortunately, I just I can't believe it until I see it. Um, we've seen him tease us before with these you know flashes of two or three months of brilliance and then go back to really struggling. Um, and that's part of what I think makes him so frustrating. Um, I really hope that this is the year of Travis Darno's breakout and that he establishes himself and has finally got the injury problems behind him and is focused. And can go out and catch 125 games and uh, and, and play some solid uh, some solid baseball for this team. Um, you know, I really do hope that is the case. And yes, that, I uh, hopefully, you're... I brought that back a little bit and walked it back a little.
1: <laughs> I, I think your assessment of where we are with Darno is spot on. The the thing that concerns me I guess is everyone talks about what a what a strong uh, end of the season that Kevin Ploiecki had and what a nice mm-hmm. spring training Ploiecki has had but if you look at mm-hmm. those Darno was better in both of those instances yep. than Ploiecki was and I think that because mm-hmm. we're we're collectively frustrated with Darno that in in some people's mind we're we're leapfrogging Ploiecki ahead of him and and I don't think mm-hmm. I think that's a mistake
0: yeah, I, I, I agree with uh with that assessment that you shouldn't be leapfrogging Plovecki ahead of Darno. I think uh I, I think kinda of track record at the major league level. Granted he is two years younger, but his track record at the major league level, you know, when Plovecki is going good is still not as good as when Darno is going good. Uh, so I think you still have to, to keep him number one on your depth chart. <laughs>
1: to a a guy who hasn't hit his prime yet, and that's uh, Mm -hmm. Ahmed Rosario. I think we all had Mm -hmm. some giant hopes for him, and then he came up and and struggled a little bit last year, and probably his uh, pitch recognition and and strike zone judgment were the things that Mm -hmm. stood out the most. So where should we look at Rosario right now? Do you still see him as an impact-type player, or do you think those strike zone issues are are too big?
0: Yeah, I I do still see him as an impact-type player. Um, you know, whenever you're especially a young kid like Rosario with those giant expectations coming up in New York, uh, you're going to feel that pressure, I think to, to succeed and, and to try and live up to those expectations. And I think that that was part of it last year that he was, he was pressing a little bit too hard and trying to be the guy who came up with the big hit in the big situation. um, Like fans expected him to be. Um I hope to see him a little bit more relaxed this year. And uh, I hope that if there is a positive to Jose Reyes uh, being on this team and being around this team, it's his influence on Rosario to be able to say, hey, when I came up, I had the same kind of problems that you had in terms of strike zone discipline and pitch recognition, but here's what I did to help get better at that and work at it. Now, granted, Reyes was – Really never great at that, but he got good enough at it that he could be that solid impact player for several years, um, and hopefully he can at least be uh, be the guiding force beh- behind Rosario and, and his kind of uh, uh, progression in that same manner.
1: Now, another young guy who looks to be getting uh, his shot this year is, is Brandon Nimmo. He really came on strong at the end of last year. And he again had a, a good spring training. Uh my, Issue is I, I feel like the Mets have never believed in him as much as they should of a guy that they invested a first round draft pick in. So, mm-hmm. do you think that's a fair uh, judgment on my part? And also, how do you see his playing time working out once Michael Conforto returns?
0: I think that that is a uh, a fair assessment on your part. Uh, it, it's always been kind of strange the way that the organization handled them. they especially after drafting him in the first round, I want to say he didn't even play high school baseball. It was just AAU ball out in Wyoming. Uh, so he was still a lot more raw than a lot of other guys. And so they kind of handled him with the kid gloves, brought him along slowly. And um, whether that helped to hurt him in the long run, uh, you know, I don't know. Um, but it always did seem like really throughout his entire tenure here, it, Brandon Nimmo has kind of been handled with those kid gloves. Uh, a little bit and i'd like to see maybe what it looks like if you, if you turn them loose a little bit um but i've always been kind of a believer in him um i mean look he's not going to be a big power guy he'll you know he'll hit you the doubles the occasional home run but you know mickey Callaway, uh he he teased the opening day starting lineup today and he's got him batting lead off and and i think that's the right place for him he, he good on base guy from everything I've seen and heard is not a liability on the bases. He's not going to, you know, swipe 30 or 40 bags, but uh, you know, he'll do a good job there and in, in setting the table for the boppers in behind him. Um, and to the extent that I think he can do that and play a somewhat serviceable center field or more likely, um, you know, a, a decent corner outfield, uh, I think he'll have us on the team. Um and hopefully he can he can kind of live up to that. Now in terms of your question about when Conforto comes back, I mean obviously he's going to have the playing time go down some, but I don't know how much and I think I'd like to say that he can he can play himself into an everyday role. Um but unfortunately I think there's just too many cooks in the uh, in a kitchen that is the Mets outfield once Michael Conforto comes back. Uh, you're going to have some kind of crazy situation where you've got Nimmo, Conforto, Cespedes, Bruce all competing for the three spots every day, and you're not going to sit Yuenes Cespedes. You're probably not going to sit Jay Bruce. So now you've got Nimmo and Conforto going head-to-head, and you got to kind of give the edge to Conforto in that situation. Uh, so I think it's going to be tough, but if he plays well and – I don't know. Maybe you throw Jay Bruce at first every now and then. Uh, I think he'll he'll still see some playing time. Yes, if if Conforto comes back to be the guy that he was
1: last year, I really don't mm-hmm. view it as as Nimo competing with him. I think it's much more Nimo competing with Bruce. And the big question, the unknown, is how much are they willing to play Bruce at first base? Um, mm-hmm. I think they're going to want to give uh, a, a few more days off than Terry Collins did, so perhaps he can pick up a start here and a start there that way. But to me, mm-hmm. the the question is, especially if Adrian Gonzalez fails to deliver, it, it just seems mm-hmm. so obvious that the that the correct move is to to put Bruce at first and Nemo in the outfield. And I do think yep. that uh, uh, he'd be uh, an asset in a corner, probably a little stretched to be an everyday center fielder. But um, uh, can play there, you know, once a week or whatever. But I, I think he'd yep. be a, a good defensive corner outfielder.
0: Yeah, no, I uh, I agree with that, and and yeah, I think I think Bruce ultimately ends up at first base. Um, as much as I'd like to see Adrian Gonzalez, you know, become twenty fourteen Adrian Gonzalez, uh, he's not walking through that door. Um, I would be shocked if Gonzalez. Is still on this team in mid-May. Uh, I really would, or even even May first, whenever Conforto gets back. I, I think I think Gonzalez is the guy that gets crunched, um, and DFA'd from that uh, from that transaction. Wow,
1: uh, I'm I have to say I'm shocked about that because I think we're going to see Conforto back in April, and I think that the the Mets have a little more of a commitment to Gonzalez, but. I hope hope you're right because I do think there's a giant fork sticking out of his back. But uh, anyway, mm-hmm. let's, let's shift the focus into a, a more positive story and, and talk mm-hmm. about Mar- Matt Harvey a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Most of Matt Harvey's uh, spring outings were, were good. He, he had a little trouble against the Yankees, but other than that, he had a, had a very solid spring and, and looks ready to, to fill in the third slot behind uh, Syndergaard and DeGrom. Uh, how would you mm-hmm. rate uh, Matt Harvey, and, and where do you think he's at right now?
0: I would say Matt Harvey's spring gets a, gets a B B plus uh, from me, and um, I mean he asked me that two years ago. He turns this spring in, and maybe I'm not as happy, but uh, I think with what we saw out of him last year versus kind of what we've saw out of him here in you know February and March, uh, you have to be happy with uh, Harvey. I mean, I think only maybe the most delusional. Uh, fans out there think maybe the Dark Knight is still there and, and he can come rescue us. But uh, honestly, I think those days are gone, and I think Harvey is kind of is what he, he showed himself to be in the spring. He's going to be a serviceable starting pitcher for this team, capable of going out there in flashes and turning in a brilliant outing. But, you know, he's going to go out there every fifth day, hopefully, and, uh, you know, keep the team in the ball game and and do things like that and, you know, be – one of the better three starters in the league, if not one of the uh one of the top ones behind uh you know Syndergaard and DeGrom. Um, you know i'm I'm happy with that uh, the strikeouts are better the walks are not out of control, which is good uh for him wasn't particularly hittable at the one bad outing but um you know the velocity's back a little bit and, and I think the most promising thing was it seems like he's got a little bit of an edge back, you know, like almost like he's, he's out there pitching like, all right, I've got something to prove. Last year is not who I am. I'm not done. And I'm going to go out and show the league that I'm not done. And uh, that's the kind of attitude that you want Matt Harvey on the mound with. Um, Not, uh, not the one who's, you know, maybe a little more worried about the Rangers and their, and their playoff, uh, Uh, aspirations going to waste, uh, but the the one that's uh, a a little more focused that it looks like this year. All
1: right, we've reached the crazy prediction time of the show. I'm going to give you a crazy prediction. I'm going to ask you to Mm -hmm. to comment on mine, and then I'm going to ask for yours. Are you ready? All right, my crazy prediction is that the Mets are going to win the head-to-head Matchup this year with the Nationals And not only that They're mm-hmm. going to finish ahead of the Nationals in the standing So I want to know how crazy is wow. that
0: That's pretty crazy uh, I think Woo-hoo! Maybe they can <laughs> I think maybe they can win the head to head You know just depending on how You know pitching matchup Shake out but um, The part That's the craziest is them finishing Ahead of the Nats I would. Uh, I would be Very very surprised um, if that happens, I'd be thrilled if that happens. But uh, I, I don't see the Nats uh, not winning the East this year. Now, each week I give a crazy prediction, and
1: and most time the guest goes, Nah, I don't think that's crazy,
0: and then they never come
1: true. So I'm I'm glad that you have stamped me as crazy from the get go. All right, hit me with yours.
0: Perfect. Okay, so here's my crazy prediction, and really maybe. Depending on who you talk to, it's not that crazy. But I think come September, we will see one at-bat in the major leagues this year from both Tim Tebow and David Wright. I think both of them get at least one game in this year. Um, Maybe that's a little more wishful thinking on Wright and a little more crazy with Tebow, but uh, I, I don't think that's out of the question. Alright, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna split the
1: baby on this one. I'm, I'm gonna say mm-hmm. your right one is not crazy because I, I think that what they're gonna do is they're gonna bring him back, and so he can take the field with Jose Reyes one more time, and, mm-hmm. and then he's gonna retire. So I, I, I'm, I do think that that's gonna happen. But the Tebow getting okay. a, um, an MLB at bat this year, I'm, I'm snapping <laughs> that one crazy. righty. Uh, you know, I, I I like what tear
0: it up in Binghamton. I'm,
1: I'm, I'm not a Tebow fan. Um, I, I don't like the cult of Tebow. Having said Mm -hmm. that, I've, I I don't have any issues with the the Mets bringing him on because you see Mm -hmm. that he's such a positive influence and people flock to him and he makes people feel good. And while Mm -hmm. I'm, well, I think that one aspect of his personality is perhaps overemphasized. I don't think we can uh, bypass the totality of Tebow, And, and I think he's more of, a, of an asset for the organization in the minor leagues than, than he is a, a negative. So, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for the yeah. Tebow story. I don't think it ends with an MLB at-bat this year. All right, well, we just have about a minute left. So I, I want to get uh, a prediction on – on the, on the season. So tell me what you expect from the 2018 Mets.
0: Oh, you know, it's tough because there's such a range with this team. You know, they're either going to, you know, win 70 games again, like they did last year, or they're going to challenge for a playoff spot. And there's not going to be a whole lot of in between. Um, I think they're going to be close to a playoff spot. Cause I think last year was kind of a, almost a worst case scenario of like, Hey, everything that could possibly go wrong went wrong. Um, So I see this team somewhere in the 85 to 87 win range, probably just on the outside of the wild card, but maybe with a little bit of luck. Um, They sneak into that second wild card spot and get themselves back in the playoffs. And, you you know, a lot is going to have to go right uh, to get to that point. But I don't think that it's completely out of the question now that you have third base kind of solidified up with Todd Frazier you've got if Ahmed Rosario can prove to be productive at shortstop Cabrera now playing in a much better spot in second base that that fits for his game is it's a little bit more stability uh on the field and uh, a healthier pitching staff I don't, I don't think that it's uh meaningful games in September are out of the question now
1: somebody once said that uh they didn't uh, just believe in miracles. They depended upon them. And I guess that's mm-hmm. the the way that I'm approaching the 2018 series. So my <laughs> prediction for posterity is I'm I'm going 93 wins in division title. Well, we are wow. all out of time. I, I'd like to to thank my guest, uh, Joe Vasile for uh, joining us once again here on the podcast. Joe, always a pleasure. Thanks for dropping by tonight. Thanks, Brian. I uh, always appreciate coming on. All right, uh, uh, please tune in again next week at uh, Wednesday night at 11 p.m. Eastern. Thanks so much for tuning in tonight. Good night and goodbye.